Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. And the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Happy Father's Day to all the dads who are in this room and to all those who have dads, every single one of you. Uh, pray that you guys have a wonderful day and that you would be filled with power from on high to fulfill the calling which God has called you as fathers. So last week we started our series of called The Fire Within, and we, over the next few weeks, are going to be digging deeper into the person of the Holy Spirit. And we spoke last week about how the Holy Spirit is often referred to as the forgotten God. That we know a lot about God the Father, or we try to know a lot about God the Father, and God the Son has been revealed to us through His incarnation. So we, we know a lot about God the Son, Jesus Christ, because He revealed Himself to us. He came, took flesh, dwelt among us, and we've seen and beheld what He has done for us. And then the Holy Spirit is kind of like mysterious. We can see the Holy Spirit's work, we know that the Holy Spirit, we've heard a lot about his personality, and we spoke last week about the fact that there's one thing that all of us need to be 100% certain of, which is the Holy Spirit has, dwells in me. And the whole focus of last week's talk was about the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. And I said, I have one big pet peeve. I said, please, for the sake of the Lord himself, stop calling the Holy Spirit it. Stop calling the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity, and he is a person, and he desires a relationship with us. And if you dilute him down to an it, then he is he's not personal. There is no way that I can have a relationship with him. But we said the whole goal is the Holy Spirit dwells in me in order to work in me and to fill me with power from on high. So if you missed last week's talk, I gave you like a shortened the 30-minute, 30 30-second 30 elevator pitch, but I pray that you would go back and re-listen to it because I think it will give you some clarity on the, the whole subject matter. So today, where are we going with this? I want to start with, quickly, one of the verses that we reflected on last week, which was from the farewell discourse. Like, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about this, the farewell discourse. In John chapter 14, John chapter 15, 16 and 17, these are the last words that Christ speaks when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane in the upper room with his disciples. So what he says in his last few moments of his life are of utmost importance for the church to listen to, right? Like you say the last things that somebody says, like if you're on, somebody's on their deathbed and they say the last word, everybody holds on to that last word. These are the last things that Christ is saying right before he's about to approach the cross. So these words are of utmost importance. And if you ever are trying to understand sort of what the desire of Christ is for the church, go back to John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those are really the, the last words of Christ. But in John 14, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells in you, with you, and will be in you. He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So the, the starting of this talk today is for us to go back to what we spoke about last week, which is to know for a fact that the Lord 
did not abandon us. He did not ascend into the heavens and just be like, all right, guys, you're on your own, the church. Good luck. God bless you. I did my part, and now it's up to you. No, he sent us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to encourage us, to support us. So I want to start with this first key point for the talk today. Is the Holy Spirit, is the doctor for all that I am lacking? He is the doctor for all that I am lacking. Anything that I am lacking as a person, the attributes of the Holy Spirit are there for him to support me through the things that I'm lacking. I'll give you an example. When you go and you are saying, I feel empty, I'm really struggling, we can be filled by him. When we say, you know what, I am feeling thirsty, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm yearning for something, I'm yearning for something to give me satisfaction, he says that he's the living water. When you look at him as, when you say, I'm feeling weak, I don't feel like I keep struggling with sin, I keep falling, I keep on doing the same thing over and over again, he is power from on high. When you look over and over and over again about his attributes, if you feel dead and you feel spiritually like there's no motivation for you to do things, he is the life giver. When you're feeling sad and you're feeling down, if you're going through a heartbreak right now, which I know some of us are, he's the comforter. So the Holy Spirit is given to every single one of us so that he can support us in all the areas of brokenness that we have. Now, I know we say, you know, Abuna, but I'm not really feeling the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not really feeling like he's there. I kind of don't know how I can tap into that power from on high. I really feel like actually time and time again, I feel weak. And I feel like actually I shy more on the side of weakness than ever on the side of strength. And I think that's true for a lot of us. But that doesn't negate the fact of who he is and what his role is. Like my participation doesn't change the fact of who he is. What we're trying to do during the series is we're trying to lay out the facts. Who is he? What does he do? What is his responsibility towards us? And then my goal is to participate with the work that he is doing. You go back to John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. Like, again, this is not like a, a promo tour of Christ. Like, you know, if he's giving his last words and his last words say, actually, it's good for me that I'm leaving you guys. You are like, okay, so then what are you going to send? Like, if it's good that you're leaving and you've done all these miracles and all these signs and wonders and you've been able to bring those who are far off to the place where they feel like they're whole, what is, if it's to my advantage that you go away, what are you about to send? Or who are you about to send? For I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. See, the thing is, is my dream my dream is for all of us to really understand the power that is within us. The dwelling place that God has chosen to be a place where he lives. Like, I spoke about this last week, but I'll echo it again. The fact that God wants to dwell in me, how great is God? Like, how sweet is he that he chooses to make me, a broken individual, a place where he wants to build and strengthen a place where he wants to dwell and a person that he wants to use from on high. I'll tell you guys a story that someone shared with me this week. I was sitting in a confession and there's, there's this couple that's been sitting with me for the last 10 months since I got ordained. And when they first came up to me and approached me and said, Abuna, can you be my father confession? I was like kind of caught off guard by it. I'm like, I'm, I'm a rookie. Like I got nothing to offer you. Like I don't know what you're expecting from me, but I really don't have much to, to give you. And... 
she was talking to me uh, a few weeks ago, and she's going through a really hard time. And some, when, I, when she was sitting with me, something started to like ring in my ears. Like a voice started to ring in my ears. And I, I'm not very spiritual. Like I'm going to be put it out there. Like I'm not like a, like it's not like the Holy Spirit speaks to me regularly and I can like tell you all the mystical things that are happening in the world. Like, no, but this was one of those situations where I was praying in the middle of confession and you start to hear a voice ringing in your ears. And she's like complaining about something and I'm like, Clifton Strength Finder. And she's like, what? I'm like, Clifton Strength Finder. The Holy Spirit is telling you Clifton Strength Finder. And she looks at me. She's like, what the heck are you talking about, Abuna? Like totally out of like, out of context. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why, but this is like ringing in my ears. Like Clifton Strength Finder. The Lord wants you to do the Clifton Strength Finder. She's like, Abuna, I've already done it. I was like, I don't know. I'm just telling you what I heard. Up to you. I would encourage you to go do it. So she goes home. And out of obedience, she's a, a lovely person. She says, okay, Buna, I'm going to do the Clifton Strength Finder. So she goes, she sends it, and Monday, she sends me the results. This is Monday morning, she sends me the results. And Tuesday, she comes into my office, and she's like, Abuna, boy, do I got to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. She's like, I sent you those results yesterday morning, and I was like, see, this was a dumb excuse. This was a dumb thing. I didn't even really understand why you were telling me to do this. Then... Later that night, I kept hearing this voice telling me, go read the book that comes with the assessment. And then I went and I read the assessment, the book that comes with the assessment, and I found that every single thing that I'm struggling with right now in this moment was actually telling me that these aren't weaknesses, these are strengths. This is something that God has given me as a gift rather than for me to look at them as weaknesses. And all of a sudden, it clicked. That's why the Holy Spirit was telling you to do this, and I've been going through this period of darkness in my life where I'm really struggling, and because you said this to me, I feel like everything became crystal clear through the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, man, I do not know what just happened, but praise be to God. So then she starts to say, and I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm explaining to you that this is, so she's like, and it's crazy because it was like when God told us to be your, your spiritual children. I was like, what? God told you to be, for, what? What are you talking about? She's like, Abuna, we told you. I was like, no, 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 no. Let me, let me, you never told me how you ended up coming. I just thought he's a young English-speaking priest and we'll just make him our father confession. Like that was my assumption. And she comes, no, Abuna. Actually, when you were giving me communion the first time, all of a sudden, you said, the body of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I was like, yeah, I say that to everyone. She's like, no, Abuna. But my heart skipped a beat. My heart skipped a beat. And then I got in the car and then I went and talk, looked to my husband, and she's like, he looks at me, and he, he, without me even saying a word, she's like, you know, when Abuna Elijah was giving me communion today, my heart skipped a beat. I feel like he should be our father confession. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, the Holy Spirit was the one who was directing us towards you. For this moment, because I've been going through a period of darkness for the last 10 months, and up until this moment, I feel like God just made everything crystal clear. Why am I telling you this story? Is it to say, oh, I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit, like I'm so cool? Like, no, no, believe me, I'm not smart, I don't know anything, but I'm telling you how the Holy Spirit works in that when he wants to comfort and wants to encourage and wants to lead people to the path that will be on where he is to provide support, he's the doctor. And that's why it's to our advantage that Christ goes away because he sends us the helper. But I'll tell you what the struggle is. The struggle is, is that we do not know that we are a temple. The struggle is, is that when we fall short, 
And when we have weakness, after weakness, we feel like, yeah, like a church is a holy place. The church is special. Like, and if I'm supposed to be a temple that God dwells in, like, I don't really feel that. But look what 1 Corinthians 6 says. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Like, look at what the work of the Holy Spirit does in each and every one of us. Is that he takes broken, weak individuals and says, you know what? I'm going to make that my dwelling place. And I think the reason why we struggle is we have a problem. You go to Jeremiah chapter 2. And this verse, every time I read it, it actually breaks my heart. It says, for my people have committed two evils. They have what? Number one, forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. How does a person get to this point? How does a person get to the point in which you see that, that bottle, that cistern? Like, I'm filling it, and it just keeps on leaking. I'm filling it, and no matter what I do, there's nothing that is keeping me full. I keep trying. I keep on doing everything in my power, but I'm doing it. Like, I'm doing it. What's the first evil that, they, that these people have done? They've forsaken me. They've forsaken me. And I'm going to make this crystal clear in a second, but I think let's be real with ourselves. Like, we want power, but my own power. We want strength, but I want to use my own strength. We want help, but I rely on myself. And time and time again, when one looks and zooms out on why am I not being filled with the Spirit? Why am I not strong? Why do I not this, have this power that was in the book of Acts? Is because I think time and time again, we've forsaken the Lord. And He's the fountain of living water. And we've hewn this like container that we think we can fill, but time and time again, it's just leaking and leaking and leaking. Look at what the book of Haggai says. This this. This beginning of the book of Haggai, the first chapter, really is convicting. It is time for you yourselves. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now he's speaking about the actual temple, but consider this spiritually for us. Now therefore thus, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. The problem is, is that when one relies on him or herself to be filled with God, time and time again, we are making this cistern that is broken. But I want us to look at this passage right here and ask ourselves, are we really trying to fill ourselves with God? Or are we trying to fill ourselves with things that we think will give us satisfaction? Ask yourself today, what are you worried about in this moment? What's a worry that you have? What's a concern that you're struggling with? What's a situation that you're, in going, you're going through right now in this specific moment? Is it pertaining to the kingdom or is it pertaining to yourself? Is it something pertaining to that which will gladden the heart of God? Or is it something that will make your life easier and comfortable here today? And I think over and over again, what our prayers are, are self-focused prayers. And I said this last week. And I think time and time again, when we ask ourselves, how come we're not powerful? 
is because I think we're on this hedonic treadmill. And I said this to the grads on Thursday night, but I'm going to say it again. The hedonic treadmill is basically a psychological principle that says, every time I accru accrue something, the next thing that I get is always wanted. So I get what I want, and I have it, like I want this cross, I'm really wanting this cross, and I get this cross, it loses its luster within a few seconds. And then I get the next thing, and it loses its luster, and I get the next thing, and it loses its luster. Because time and time again, I'm trying to fill this cistern, and it's cracked. And no matter what I do, this thing will not fill, this thing will not satisfy, this thing will not be the means by which I will find fulfillment. The key thing for every single one of us is we need to acknowledge the fact that our priorities haven't been straight. Our priorities haven't been straight. We want power from on high. We want to be filled with the Spirit, but I don't think our priorities really are what God's priorities are. I don't think our heart is really aligned with what God's heart is. Me first and foremost. And I think why we see weakness in our life, why we see brokenness in our life, why we see decisions that we make over and over again are bad decisions is because our priority is me. Our priority is that which feeds me. Our priority is that which makes me happy. And time and time again, it's demonstrated. You go to the story of the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman is broken. The Samaritan woman is, you know, going and hiding from people at the noon of the day, the hottest moment of the day to escape people. And she's gone from person to person, man to man, in hope that that person will satisfy her. I went from this relationship, and you have this person, I hope that this person will make me feel better. And then the next relationship, the next relationship, the next relationship. And I tell you, I tell you, she thought that the fifth guy would probably be the guy for her. And he fell short again. Because I don't think it's about what the guy was offering. I think it was about her, her issues, her own struggles. And she comes in the middle of the day, ashamed, broken, and look at the encounter. Look at the encounter. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you have, a you have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. And Jesus answered to her and said, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I, whoever drinks of this water, the one at the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Y'all all know people that have had divine encounters. Y'all all know people that have been touched by God and have, been enc have encountered the Holy Spirit and their lives are forever changed. Y'all know those people. Y'all know those people that their priorities are different. The way they live, what they are focused on is radically different. Like, a, a situation happens in their life and they're like, yeah, God will work it out. A problem happens and they're like, yeah, welcome to life. A problem happens, but God is the solution to all of our problems. They're able to see clearly that which is important. Holy Spirit, in this passage, fills her cup that she pours over into every single person that she encounters. Somebody gifted me this picture uh, recently and it's actually sitting right next to my my desk every time i take a confession because before i go and i take a confession i always say to myself lord if i'm not filled i have nothing to give your people and i acknowledge the fact when i miss time with the lord i have nothing to give you you will notice you will know when i'm bankrupt you will know when i have nothing to give but you will know that those who are filled 
They don't even know what they're doing. They're sitting there, and then all of a sudden you say, Clifton Strength Finder, and you're like, I don't even know where that came from. That was just a random thing, I thought, but it was actually a spirit-filled thing that was happening because I allowed myself, and again, please don't think that I'm like speaking about myself. That's the last thing I'm trying to do right now. I'm just trying to give an example. You ask yourself, and then you ask, and God will give you. He will provide exactly what needs to be given to that person in that necessary moment because his desire is to fill them with that which they need for each day. See, the Holy Spirit desires to make us never thirst. And the point of the Holy Spirit, the point of his role in our lives, I'll get to a second. Maybe you guys can tell me based on what he says in John 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. What's the role of the Spirit? The role of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Christ. Holy Spirit points to Christ. Christ points to the Father. That's the role of the Trinity. It's a circle of love. They point to each other. They point to each other. Trinitarian love. Holy Spirit points to the Son. Son points to the Father. He will take, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Go through the whole John discourse, the farewell discourse. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. The role of the Holy Spirit is what? To tell you and to teach you and to encourage you and point to the person of Christ. Now you may say, um, look at this verse for example. How can the Holy Spirit teach me all things and bring to remembrance the things that Christ has taught us if we don't know what Christ has taught us? It, asks, it makes us beg the question of what are the things that Christ has taught us? And if one hasn't had an encounter with the scriptures, if one doesn't regularly fill themselves with the word of God, how can you know what the Holy Spirit's will is for your life? How can you know what the Lord Christ has declared that for the Holy Spirit to teach you? And I think time and time again, we come up with different things, different solutions that are like somebody goes to a problem and ask yourself, the last problem that you had, here's a good assessment quite quickly. The last problem you had, what did you do? Did you run to someone or did you run to the word of God? When a problem hits you, when a situation occurs, what is your solution? And that will tell you where you are in terms of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If my first reaction is to run to people, but if my first reaction is I run to the Lord in prayer and I open up the word of God, and then what I do is I ask God to give me clarity, and then I go speak to someone. You will see how the whole conversation will shift in terms of how you even approach that person. But oftentimes we're like, hey, let me call up my friend. She can understand what I'm going through. Oh, let me call Abuna. Let me, and not that Abuna is not free and able and ready to speak to you at any time, but I really don't want you to speak to me before you go and speak to the Lord. I really don't want you to speak to me unless you've opened up the word of God and sat in the presence of the Lord for him to give you clarity on that which is going on in your life. He will teach you all things and bring you to the remembrance of all the things that I have said to you. Ask yourself this question. This is the good assessment. The doctor is available. He's ready and he's willing to bring healing. But I want to run to some other random person, some homeopathic provider that are good. Don't get me wrong. Homeopathic providers can be good. But the doctor has medicine and healing for me. But I want to go to somewhere else. When difficult times come, where do you run? Where do you run? 
And if you, if you can, in your heart of hearts, say today, I run to the Lord, God bless you. I'm guilty of running to people too. But I want our church to be a church where every single time a situation arises, I go right to the Lord. And then the Lord inspires me and encourages me, and then I get guidance from other people, specifically people that are aligned with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Like, be careful, because people who we take guidance from as well sometimes maybe aren't the best. Sometimes I'm looking for uh, support, and I call my random girlfriend or, or, or guy friend, and those people are not aligned with the Word of God. They're actually adding fuel to the fire. There's a fire, and I, they pour gas on it. Helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring you to the remembrance that of all things that I've said to you. Look at what 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to point you back to Christ, to point you back to the things which Christ has taught you, to point you back to the things which you know have been revealed through the incarnation of God the Word, and God the Word dwelt with us, walked with us, taught us, inspired us, instructed us, and gives us the means by which we can have eternal life. My challenge for all of us today is the doctor is awaiting us. He's here to exchange all the struggles that we go through. I really like the St. Gregor of Nazianzus quote. It's kind of a little bit tough, but he says, look at how St. Gregory speaks. He says, the swarm of testimonies shall burst on you from which the deity of the Holy Spirit will be shown. He's saying, I'll tell you all the things that will prove the Godhead of the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, you people think that the Holy Spirit isn't really God. He isn't a person. To all who are not excessively stupid. St. Gregory of Nazianzus, he calls people stupid. Watch, look at these words. Or else altogether, enemies to the Spirit to be most clearly recognized in scriptures. Look at these facts. facts. Christ is born. The Spirit is his forerunner. He is baptized. The Spirit bears witness. He is tempted. The Spirit leads him up. He works miracles. The Spirit accompanies them. He ascends, and the Spirit takes his place. The role of the Holy Spirit is always to point back to Christ. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You want to know the things which God has given you? The Spirit will point you to them. So, how? My last slide. The word of the living God becomes an absolute life to me. Don't tell me, please, don't tell me we can be followers, devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit and we don't read our Bibles. Please, please. These people profess me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. You believe in God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Time and time again, we can say with our lips, and actually there is a teaching that says the people who believe in God but their lives live far away from are what we call a practical atheist. Like it's very easy for me to say I believe in God with my lips, but if I do nothing, if my life is counter him, I'm in essence, I'm an atheist. I'm a practical atheist. Now I'm not saying, please don't say that Abuna's standing here from the pulpit calling a bunch of believers in the church atheists. I'm not saying that. I'm saying 
that there's a difference between saying it with your lips and actually living as though it's the most important thing in your life. Ask yourself the first thing that you do every single morning. Is it most important for me to open up the word of God and to be filled with the word of God in order for he to direct me in the way that I should live my life today? Please, 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 please. You want the doctor to come and to heal? You got to open up your Bibles. Now, where do I start? Where do I start? Right now, the church is reading. We were supposed to be reading Luke. Now you're a little bit too late in the book of Luke through the season. Go to the book of Acts. Start from Acts chapter 1 today. And say, I'm going to study the person of the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. And I'm going to watch all the amazing things that the Holy Spirit was doing in the church. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a chapter every single day. And I'm going to take that chapter and I'm going to find one verse in that chapter that I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And I'm going to take that one verse and I'm going to really dig into it. I'm going to really take that one verse and I'm going to ask myself, I'm going to, I'm going to pray that verse. I'm going to personalize that verse. I'm going to take that, word, that verse and paraphrase it and make it something that is mine. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually encounter that verse. So I'm going to ask myself after reading that verse, is there a sin to confess based on this verse? Is there a priority that needs to be changed? Is there an attitude that needs to be changed? Is there a confession? This is all from the Guide to Quiet Time, by the way, guys. The one that's upstairs in the, in the social. The Guide to Quiet Time tell you exactly how to read the Bible and to experience the Word of God and make it alive in your life. Years ago, years ago, St. Mark D.C. was the church that there was not a person in this church that wasn't reading the Bible. And in fact, you can go to any random person in this church and they would ask you, what are you reading in your quiet time? What did you get out of your quiet time today? And people would come visit it. When I would come visit this church, I'd be like, man, this church is different because these people are reading the word of God and the word of God is challenging them and filling them with the spirit. We want this church to be, and we want, forget the church for a second. I want to be filled with the word of God so that I can be a vessel that is pouring over into other people. I want I want this picture. I want this picture. I want this picture that is constantly pouring over into others. I want to have, be so filled with God that every single person that comes and encounters me, they walk away differently. So the first thing is the word of God needs to be absolute. It needs to be something that is a necessity for me. Second thing is when the word of God is absolute, your prayer life can, changes completely. Your prayer life changes completely because it doesn't become, prayer doesn't become something that I do. It's something that is relationship. Like, I can't, like, if I want the doctor, if I want to encounter him and I want to spend time with him, it becomes a relationship. It becomes something that changes me and transforms me and pushes me. My prayer life changes. And I will be honest with you, I feel like sometimes our prayer becomes just words. And God is really desiring something more from his church. He's wanting relationship with us. He's, wa- he's sitting here and waiting for every single one of us today and saying, come, have a conversation with me. Come, talk to me. Come, encounter me. Come, see the sweetness that I have available for you. It starts with when I know who God is and I've encountered his word, it brings me to prayer. Actually, that quiet time guide will tell you, you take that verse, you learn how to pray through the Bible. You learn how to take scripture and you learn how to pray through that scripture. So you take example, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but ever everlasting. How do you turn that verse into a prayer? God, thank you for giving me your son. 
Thank you for loving me so much and for seeing me in the midst of my brokenness and coming and dwelling for me in, in this world for me. Thank you for giving yourself up on the cross for my sake. And thank you, Lord, that you've promised me and given me eternal life through your incarnation and through your death. Through one verse, that's a prayer. You see how the, the word of God inspires prayer. The word of God teaches you how to pray. So you take the verse and then you turn it into a prayer. Finally, your life becomes transformed daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I take the word of God and then I pray through encounter, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God starts to change the way I live. The word of God starts to challenge me to do things differently. All of a sudden, I'm fighting with somebody and I come across to love your enemies and to do good to those who curse you. I find myself, I can't, I can't look past this. I, I can't read the word and not want to apply it because I, it doesn't work. So please... For my sake, for my sake, look at this final quote. It is as if the Spirit stands behind us, throwing light over our shoulder on Jesus, who stands facing us. The Spirit's message to us is never look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at him and see his glory. Listen to him and hear his word. Go to him and have life. Get to know him and taste his gift of joy and peace. As Jesus foretold, the Spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. May all of us go to him. May all of us encounter him. May all of us go to the physician of our souls, the healer, the life giver, the comforter, the spirit of truth, the one who testifies of Christ, and the one who yearns to fill his church with people, that are fully devoted members to this body and that pour over into every single person that we, they encounter. I pray that the Lord will fill us on this day always with the presence of his Holy Spirit and that this church would always be a place in which those who are broken can come in and they find the hospital is awaiting them. And they find people that are nurses that are ready to triage them and to point them back to the physician. And they find a community that is so inspired and so moved that this community not only pours out into those who enter into it, but they overflow into every single place. Every Fairfax, Virginia is moved by St. Mark, D.C. St. Mark, D.C. is changing all of North America, changing the landscape, not because we're anything special, but because the Lord is working in this church and inspiring the people who are in it to be filled and to pour over into every single one. May God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you always. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. May God bless you this day and every day. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.